Hey, 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 you. Welcome back to another episode of the Thought for Food podcast, man. I appreciate you guys listening. I appreciate the support I've been getting. Appreciate every single one of you guys. I'm saying appreciate like every other word. I don't know why. But you get the point, all right? Um, Yeah, man, so quick story for you guys. So I, I went for a haircut about like a week and a half ago, right? And, you know... My barber's not working because, like, you know, the shop is closed down, obviously, because of COVID. So, you know, I hit up my cousin. I was like, yo, man, you know, I, I need a barber. He's like, yeah, I got it, dude. We're just going to have to go to his house. I'm like, all right, that's cool. I didn't think anything of it, right? So we get there. And he's like, yo, I'm going to go first just to see, just so, you know, you see what the haircut's like. And, you know, if you like it, then, you know, you, you can get your haircut. If not, then you can just leave. It's like, all right, cool. So he goes. I'm sitting there on my phone. All of a sudden, a, a fucking baby walks up to me, right? Like, this guy, this baby was probably like two years old. Never seen this baby a day in my life, right? Asked me to pick him up. He has a beach ball in his hand. He's cute, but like, he asked me to pick him up. He has a beach ball in his hand. He starts throwing the beach ball. He wants me to play with him. And the whole time I'm sitting there thinking, like, holy shit, bro. Is this what I have to go through to get a haircut? Come on, man. This is what COVID has done to all of us to get a haircut i have to i have to like play play around with a baby i've never seen in my life come on man what, what do you think i'm gonna do you think i'm just gonna sit there and look at the baby you know and the barber's looking at me eyeing me you know watching me to see what i'm gonna do what do you think i'm gonna do i'm a nice guy you know i started playing playing around throwing the beach ball around and shit ah oh, man this is just a haircut man i just want a haircut anyways Today, man, we have a special episode for you guys. Um, we have a gentleman by the name of Mike Ambrose on the podcast. And you might be wondering, who the hell is Mike Ambrose, right? Well, Mike Ambrose is a gaffer out of Hollywood who has worked on movies you know, that me and you both love. Well, I can't say really you because I don't know what you like or what you don't like, but I do. I like the movies that he's worked on, which is why I wanted to bring him on here. I'm so glad he did it. And... um. Yeah, man, I'm really, really excited for this one. Um, yeah, man, no further ado. Here it is. Hello. Hi, is this Michael? Sure is. Hi, this is Giovanni from the Thought for Food podcast. Giovanni, how are you, buddy? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. Glad we could finally put this together. Yeah, I'm so excited, man. I've been following you cool. for a while, maybe like oh, two years you, from man. now. Right on. Thank you. Yeah. Are, enjoy you, the, are I, you in New York? I'm in New Jersey, actually. Oh, New Jersey. What part? Uh, Sayreville. It's like a town right out, like central Jersey, basically. Central Jersey. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I actually grew up in, uh, I was born in Tom's River. Oh, sure. okay. Wow. That's cool. And uh, my family moved to California when I was in seventh grade. Oh, nice. That's how you ended up in California. Yeah. I okay. basically grew up here. But my early childhood was there in New Jersey. So I didn't realize you were uh, in Jersey. That's awesome. Yes, yes. Jersey natives. Cool, cool. Thank you, Giovanni, for having me on the show. And uh, I'm excited to be here. I just uh, give you a little background on uh, who I am. I am uh, uh, a gaffer in Los Angeles. Uh, gaffer, also known as the chief lighting technician for motion picture and television. 
Uh, I've been doing it for over 20 years in the union and several years before that and uh, had uh, a career prior to joining the union and doing motion picture in live entertainment lighting as a lighting designer and lighting director for many years coming out of school and uh, leading up to uh, my career in Hollywood. Listen, man, I have to say that's amazing. Um, but wait, could you tell me and the audience as well, like your exact roles on a film set? Like, what does that consist of? Well, my job is to basically be the right-hand man to the cinematographer. The cinematographer or director of photography on a film set is uh, the person who's in charge for the uh, overall photography of the movie and has the close relationship with the director to interpret what the visual style and sense for uh, the production is under the cinematographer he has a gaffer key grip um, camera operators and a first assistant camera which kind of makes up his team Um, as the director as the gaffer or the uh, manager of the lighting department my job is to stick close with the cinematographer through both prep and production and to uh, watch each scene and develop a lighting plan for uh, the photography and then execute that plan um, according to the direction of the cinematographer. So wait, that reminds me. I actually read an article the other day that said 95% of the time spent on a film set is used for lighting and 5% is used for shooting. Is that true? Oh, that's a that's interesting. Um, when I would say that it probably feels like it's ninety five percent lighting and five percent shooting, but um, I think that I'll oftentimes the time that's not spent actually rolling cameras um, is often called uh, the the time that is given to lighting, but. In actuality, it's a multiple of departments that are working during that time between, say, rehearsal and actual roll camera and start recording. Um, Lighting is part of that time. Um, There's also setting the camera, figuring out the shot. Um, Cameras almost always are moving these days. There's a dolly track. That's all a lot of physical labor that has to go into putting the camera where it needs to be, figuring out how it's going to move, what the speed is, rehearsing that um, with the camera operators. Um, It's also time for the other departments, sound, uh, costumes, makeup, um, art department props to work on what they need to do to prepare for the scene. So it's not just lighting. Um, So it would be inaccurate to say 95% is lighting. Um, As far as 95% 95% prep versus 5% of actual shooting or rolling time, that might be a little more accurate. So there is a lot of prep time, but it's not just lighting. All right. That, that makes a little bit more sense once you put it in that perspective. But what films have you worked on and which one was your favorite if you had to pick one? Well, um, I've uh, had the 
fortune to have worked on some amazing sets and uh that's always a tricky question when you ask which one is my favorite i have different favorites for different reasons but um one of my most memorable experiences in the industry was um uh quite a while ago i guess it's going on 15 years since we made it it was the pursuit of happiness which was my first studio feature as a gaffer and um that was a fantastic experience because it was an amazing true story we went to san francisco and shot it on location because that's where the story took place it was a period piece that had taken it's about the story of chris gardner um and his struggles as um a man who in uh the 80s a black man in the 80s who wanted to uh get into the world of the stock market and be a stockbroker and mm. uh against all odds he uh rises above and succeeds and uh but it was a struggle to get there and it's just such a great human story and uh working with Will Smith and his son Jaden at the time was 6 or 7 years old um was a fantastic experience and uh we had um what was his name the director he's italian italian director um gabriele muccino was the director on that and what a fantastic uh gentleman he was and he had such a vision for the movie and will smith who was also a producer on the movie was very influential in having um Emanuele uh be the director because he wanted the perspective to be from somebody who was an American that could idealize the American dream and the possibilities of um of what the potential is uh, here in America kind of the American story and uh, he thought that that perspective would be interesting and I think that came out well. Wow, that's amazing. That's actually one of my favorite movies. Oh, cool. shed a tear during it. Sad oh, to yeah. say. <laughs> well, interesting I'm not, I'm not story afraid to admit that. Towards the end of the movie, um, when after he's been kicked a thousand times in the gut trying to get ahead and make it, um, there's a scene where he walks into the office for the last time to find out whether or not he made it and whether he gets the job. And um, in those days, we shot on film, not on digital. And um, I was standing right next to camera, which was my usual position. And I was literally 10 feet away from Will as he performed that final scene uh, where he realizes that he got the job and he starts to tear up. And of course, I started to tear up and I look around the room and every filmmaker in the room had started to feel feel the emotion of that scene. And it was a profound moment. Very cool. How, how was that experience, you know, seeing Will Smith actually act like right in front of you and just give a, a you know, an amazing performance? He's he's great at what he does. And uh, I um, really enjoyed working with Will. He was um, um, he was a salt of the earth kind of guy, had his feet firmly planted on the ground, was generous and gracious, not only to the crew, um, but also to the fans. We were shooting on location, so oftentimes every day a crowd would build on the street corner uh, trying to get a glimpse and watch us make the movie. And at the end of the day when they called rap, 
you'd always take a few moments and go over and interact with the fans and, and give them uh, a little bit of his time. And he was very gracious with that. I was very impressed with him as a human. Yeah, I mean, Will Smith is one of the best actors of all time, but how long does it typically take to uh, film a movie like from beginning to end? Well, it depends. Really, a lot of it has to do with scope and budget. Um, our big tentpole uh, productions that the studios produce um, for hundreds of millions of dollars in budget oftentimes have schedules that can be a minimum of 60 to 70 days on up over 100 days. That's shooting days. doesn't count the prep time. On the other hand, I've done smaller, low-budget movies. Uh, there was a horror movie we did for Warner Brothers um, a couple of years ago called Lights Out. It was a $5 million budget, and I believe the schedule was about 35 days. Oh, wow. That's a quick turnaround. Quick turnaround. You have to make it work, and it's a very ambitious schedule. On the other hand, in episodic television, um, it's common to create a one-hour episode of uh, your favorite drama on TV from anywhere from um, eight to 12 shooting days. And if you're doing a big production like Game of Thrones, for example, and I didn't work on that, but I happen to know that they put quite a big budget in it. It was like making a small feature film for every episode. And they would sometimes go as many as 30 days, um, sometimes more. Um, for creating one episode of an epic show like that. So Mike, take me back to the beginning as far as like how you got started in the business. Did you take the college route? Did you take the relationship route? Were you just out there trying to do your own thing just to see what was going to come out of it? Well, my beginnings, I think uh, it's, a, I, I, it's an interesting story. It, it, I've always kind of felt passionate and felt at home uh, working in, uh, in the entertainment industry, for lack of a better term, industry, because in the beginning of it, it certainly wasn't the industry of it. It was just theater. And um, I started uh, in uh, – I was – I grew up until seventh grade in New Jersey and in New Jersey, um, you know, when there's back when I was in school, if it was, um, bad weather day after lunch, instead of recess out on the playground, we would show, uh, movies, uh, inside, because uh, there was no way to go outside. It was either too cold, snowy, rainy, whatever it was. So they needed uh, student volunteers to run the film projectors. And I love that idea. So somehow I got roped into that in fifth and sixth grade and uh, became kind of the, the, the film projector expert in the fifth grade. And uh, I would not only do that, but anytime a teacher needed help, with uh, film projectors, I'd get called out of class to get to go and uh, be the hero and save the day and fix the projector. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, when I moved to California with my family in seventh grade, uh, I latched on right away to performance. Um, I've, I had uh, played instruments. I sang in choir. I was involved with theater. When I got to high school, um, 
the theater was a, a much bigger program and there was a bigger stage and more more technical um ability there and uh, my first class in high school was in the theater and my last class in high school was in the theater and i just embraced all aspects of that whether it be on stage hanging lights building sets running the shows stage managing i really enjoyed that and i really found my place there so going into college i i just went to to community college for two years and mostly worked in the theater uh doing kind of um still building sets, but pursuing lighting design. And that led to a company, uh, a job at a company that did uh, live lighting installations. Um, and we did some touring. We did some summer stock theater. I got involved in the music side of things and being like a rock and roll lighting director toured a little bit mostly worked at la clubs and this would at this point is through the 80s right around 1990 a friend and i uh, moved to uh, hollywood uh, where we had been wanting to move we i grew up about 30 miles east of downtown los angeles in the suburbs so accessing los angeles and the city was really easy we would just drive out all the time so we had friends that were kind of migrating and starting to live in the city and at right around 1990, I decided, uh, along with my friend, to move out to the Hollywood area. And we moved to a cool um, bungalow apartment in uh, the east side of Hollywood, also known as Los Feliz. And our my neighbor was a cinematographer who I just met. And he was hanging out on the balcony and said, hey, welcome to the neighborhood. And I said, hey, man, what's up? And we struck a friendship he liked my background in lighting design and kind of took me under his wing and started teaching me about the film industry uh, that led one job to another and the rest is history oh wow your neighbor ended up becoming a or being a cinematographer that's really cool and th that's really what i learned it was all about it was about kind of developing relationships and networking and then um kind of sharing the dream of where we all wanted to go. Um, you know, the, that friend was a cinematographer, but he, w he was doing, he wasn't doing big major motion pictures. He was doing smaller projects, independent films, um, live sporting events and things like that. And so, you know, we would get together and dream about, you know, what, what we'd like to do and where we'd like to be and and through that network of people and and doing smaller jobs we kind of all grew up together in the industry wow that's a really amazing and inspiring story so so wait um i'm curious to know your thoughts on film academies and film schools in general do you think that'll be beneficial to let's say a kid who wants to get into film or get into the get started in the business somehow well I didn't go to film school or to a film academy, um, but I think everybody's path is different and and for different reasons. Um, you know, uh, AFI or the American Film Institute is a great graduate program uh, based in Hollywood. It's also very expensive, but the network that you build there. If you want to be like a cinematographer or a director or a writer, um, that network there is a lot of like-minded people that are heading in the same direction. So I, I feel like that's been a, a really good choice for 
um, some individuals that have become enormously successful. I can say that there's countless times that I've run into directors and cinematographers that went that route that I work with today. So um, for me as a gaffer and being in charge of the lighting department, I would say it's not as necessary to spend enormous amounts of money or to go into debt um, to pay for that kind of school. Um, if you want to be, um, you know, a key grip, a camera operator, um, you know, uh, a lighting director, um, even a cinematographer, it's not necessary. Um, but you could meet some people along the way that can end up being an advantage to your career path. Um, I always recommend to kids these days to, you know, get your degree, you know, the, the, the film industry is not going anywhere. So, you know, get, go ahead and get a degree. And, um, the, the process of committing to getting a, a degree and going through that process and succeeding, um, kind of sets the stage and the foundation for how you're going to navigate the rest of your life. So it can be really valuable. So I guess the gist of what you're saying is that, you know, there's no real right or wrong answer to go about getting started in the film industry. Uh, someone like yourself didn't need school and someone, like you said, who wants to become a director or cinematographer might need school. Yeah. And, you know, I had I did have some school and the school that I did um, was uh, enormously um, important to my to my overall path. It it. it led from one thing to, I can always see how everything I did led, um, in one way or another to the ultimate outcome. So, um, you know, I would say that, uh, you know, go, go with your gut and what feels, what feels good and, and push yourself, you know, but it's not necessary to use any sort of convention when it comes down to making it in the motion picture industry. Nobody's checking, um, when you get hired on a studio film, they're not looking at your degree or checking your academic resume. That's not going to be what determines whether you get hired or not. Um, however, the experience of succeeding in school and the experience of doing a graduate program or a technical program and developing a network of people that are like-minded and heading in the right direction can be enormously valuable for somebody that's coming up. So Mike, have you worked on any uh, independent films or short films of your own, like passion project or something, or do you plan on doing that in the near future? Uh, no, I have not. I have um, decided that I, uh, quite a while ago, that I enjoy um, what I do and the way I do it. And I have, I've decided that, uh, the job of cinematographer and director is, um, not one that, that I wanted to pursue. I've, uh, been, uh, very happy with my decision to be a collaborator on the, on the creative side and a contributor on the technical side. I think it's a fine balance. Um, and in my opinion, uh, I feel like I've got one of the best jobs on the set. So lastly, Mike, I have to ask you, top three favorite films of all time. Well, that's always that's always a difficult one. Man, it's like different experiences, too. You know, uh, 
and where where I am at any given place and time in my life, you know. Um, for photography, I love Casablanca. The black and white photography of that classic film is amazing, and I I just think that that is one of one of the most beautiful classic films ever made. Um, I I've watched it several times and I always enjoy watching it again. Um, uh, in, in when, uh, there was a film called man on fire that came out with Denzel Washington years and years ago. And that was, that was when that was still using film and they, they put a, a hand crank on a Panavision camera so that to get a certain effect, and uh aesthetic to it the camera operator actually had to turn the handle like they did back in the silent era and it just created this kind of energy in there not to mention the photography is beautiful and um the the grittiness of mexico city and the situation the tension and the uh, color contrast was just amazing it's just beautiful um and uh you know movies like apocalypse now and um and even as a child um growing up watching re-releases of the wizard of oz from 1939 you know uh, maybe not often cited as you know some of the most amazing cinematography or you know even films but as a kid growing up that was like the most amazing experience it was where you know as a child uh, uh, being transported to through that story and that process was just something that was always, um, I think, in the true essence of what film making and storytelling through film is all about. And in 1939, when they made that movie, they shot all of the scenes of Dorothy in Kansas in black and white. And when she got to the land of Oz, she walks through the door and it opens up into beautiful technicolor. And that was such an amazing, um, it was back in the day in 1939, people weren't expecting that. They go to the theater and they'd see movies in black and white and they go to this, they go to see the wizard of Oz and it was in black and white and it's normal, um, aspect ratio, pretty square. And for all the Kansas scenes, and they're watching a movie and they've heard good things. And then there's the part where she, enters the land of Oz and walks through that door and it all opens up into a wider screen format and turns to color and people were just floored. It just, it just was a, an incredible effect. Um, so I always appreciated it for, for that, for that, um, that aspect of, of, of it amongst others. And as a kid, uh, I grew up at the perfect time. I think I was 14 when the first star Wars movie came out and, that was just talk about being transported to a, a whole new place. You'd sit in that theater and you'd be transported across the galaxy and the effects and the story. It was classic storytelling, film storytelling, and it just the music and the editing and just the whole scenario of what was going on there was uh, transformative for me. So, Mike, I hear you mention uh, film versus digital a lot. Could you explain to me and the audience as well the fundamental difference between, you know, filming a feature like on a film camera versus a digital camera? Sure. 
Um, so, uh, the most popular way to record imagery today is um, digitally. Our cameras are have been developed to the point where um, we have an incredible dynamic range, um, and uh, the uh, the most efficient and highest quality um, recording capability is through digital cameras. It also works with the for the workflow from after we finish shooting a scene and what happens to that digital information is transferred into post-production and ultimately to the theater for projection has been streamlined over the last decade to the point where it's the most efficient way to uh, deliver, to record and deliver um, motion pictures. Um, it was uh, probably about only seven to 10 years ago where we were probably 50-50 between still shooting on film and shooting digitally. And now the ratio is a lot higher on digital. Um, however, some filmmakers have latched on to the film aesthetic. Um, and uh, some filmmakers still um, enjoy uh, shooting on film and, uh, and still produce their feature films um, on a film format and uh, it's it's still great quality and a great aesthetic um, for me as a filmmaker I enjoy using the digital tool I think that it um, I like it because we see what we're getting right there um, and um, being in charge of the lighting it's it's uh, a great tool to be able to see exactly where we are as opposed to in film you would expose a roll of film and it would go off into a box and until the next day when it's been processed and you see dailies you um kind of uh lose a little sleep and cross your fingers that everything was exposed well and uh, the ratios were good and that the imagery came out um the way it was intended so um in that respect, uh, the digital is um, is a is a uh, it's a it's a nicer tool. I think is a good way to put it. Um, when we we still get to use film sometimes, and when we do, it's always a beautiful aesthetic, and it 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 works great. Kodak has developed and Fuji, but Kodak's probably the leader these days in motion picture film. Um, still to this day and uh they've developed their film stocks to compete with digital um as far as the dynamic range it used to be the other way around that the dynamic range or the latitude of exposure was wider on film and less on digital now it's the other way around digital has the wider latitude and exposure and film has a little less um but they've they've kept up with the technology and and some people still like shooting on film. So really, it's just a personal choice. All right. Cool, cool, cool. So this might be a dumb question, but is the quality compromised at all between using film and digital? No. Okay. So it's just all preference like you mentioned before? 
it's just complete preference. Um, Oftentimes what happens is if a director or cinematographer want to use film, their biggest um, kind of resistance to that is going to be from the studio because the studio has the workflow set up um, in the digital realm. And so it's more efficient and less expensive to um, utilize a digital workflow. Film these days, because it's more rare, um, requires some special attention, which is ultimately going to cost a little more money. All right. Well, Mike, I really appreciate you doing this. I look forward to all the clips that you're going to post on Instagram from behind the scenes of whatever movie set you might be on in the future. Um, You know, I'm going to continue to follow your journey. I'm a fan. And thank you again for doing this. Well, my pleasure. It's been a um, real pleasure to to speak with you a little bit about uh, the motion picture industry. And uh, I wish you all the best with your podcast. And uh, if anybody wants to ask any questions uh, about the film industry or my involvement in it, um, feel free to direct message me on Instagram. I always answer everybody's questions. I'm very accessible there. And uh, I'll look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, definitely. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Um, Hope you have a good day, man. Thank you. You as well. All right. Hope you guys enjoyed that one. Um, Dude was really, really, really uh, cool to talk to, man. You know, I enjoyed that conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it just as much as I did. Um, If you want to follow him on Instagram, his Instagram is Ambrose782, A-M-B-R-O-S-E, 782. Um, if you want to follow the podcast, it's thought for food podcast. Um, if you want to follow the person who made the intro beat, it's produced by Blanco produced by B L A N C O. Yeah. Give him a follow and, um, see you guys in the next one. Peace.